Hiya. Happy President's Day. I am actually recording this episode on Sunday, so happy Valentine's as well. I hope everyone enjoyed the last episode. It was such a great pleasure to have Kyrene on. I have plenty of guests lined up for upcoming episodes, so definitely stay tuned. There's going to be more than one guest each month now, so I'm super excited about that. And by the title of this episode, I'm guessing you can judge what this is going to be about. So I really want to talk about dating during college and after college. Then I talk about a lot of self-reflection and really deep thoughts. And I connect this back to a book that I've recently finished. And it's such an intimate episode, in my opinion, more than any of the other ones. So definitely strap yourself in. I hope after this episode, you develop a little bit more self-love and you discover more about yourself. That being said, let's jump in. What's up, guys? It is February 14th, so happy Valentine's and obviously happy Chinese and Lunar New Year. It was this past Friday. I hope everyone got to celebrate family. If not, at least know that I was at home in Austin and I didn't really spend any time with family. Did order some Chinese food, so that rocked. But uh, yeah, not not the most eventful weekend. Uh, Hopefully that will change. And if not, that's okay, because we are in a pandemic. So just jumping into episode four, we are talking about all things self-love and self-discovery. And just in time for your Valentine slash Galentines, I'm fortunately single, so I have been spending a uneventful weekend, like I said. And in this first topic, I really want to talk about dating differences in college versus after college sort of the things I've noticed about myself that are different, especially in terms of expectations and deal breakers, and especially the dating scene when you're not in a college environment, I think is super different and people don't really talk about. Uh, It's a very gray area in my opinion. So first off, I did go to college in Austin at UT Austin, and there's a large population of students there, around 40,000 undergraduates, I believe, and 10,000 graduate students. So you can imagine it's a big campus. You're seeing a lot of different people every day. And it's difficult to get by, uh, especially without your own sort of inner circle. The classrooms are big. And anyways, I could go on and on. Uh, Loved it there. But I really want to talk about how dating was in college. And it's interesting because the first half of my college career, I was in a relationship. And then the second half, I was single. So I can definitely speak on both perspectives. Uh, I think especially as a freshman and sophomore, I saw a lot of different friends get into relationships and really meet a lot of people during those first two years. So looking back, you know, I don't regret anything, but I think a lot of those new relationships do blossom earlier in those first four years versus the the latter. And I think this applies to a lot of seniors and juniors because it's such a weird time in your life where, you know, especially in the business school, you're looking for an internship, you're looking for that full-time job, You don't know if that job is going to be in Austin or even Texas. And starting a more serious relationship, it's more difficult during those years. There's a lot of uncertainty, and I don't think anyone wants to be bogged down by more commitment, just speaking generally, of course. And I definitely know people who got into more serious relationships, especially senior year, that spring semester when they know where they're going to work and they know where their partner is going to work. And, you know, luckily they're in the same city and they can time it so that 
the relationship will continue to grow even post-college. And I think that's tough, right? Like I'm going to talk more in this podcast about self-love and discovery because it's important before you get into a relationship to know more about yourself, to know more about your wants, your expectations, and your deal breakers. In college, you're learning a lot about yourself. You're creating new friend groups. You're creating new experiences that are really great. But at the same time, you have to balance that with the relationship that you're in. And you can't walk into one seeking some sort of codependent relationship because that's not healthy. And you don't grow in a relationship where you're constantly leaning on your partner or depending on them for self-validation. That really does come from within. And it's so important because college teaches you a lot about what you like and who you like and what you don't like and who you don't like and in high school it's a lot more simpler you don't have a choice with the people you surround yourself with but in college you have so many options and so many opportunities to meet new people which you might not ever get again it's really really hard after college to meet people organically and at a time in life where everyone is in a similar place similar age group and similar relationship status i hope people aren't entering college married but i mean there's definitely some people but But anyhow, it's such a unique period in your life where I look back and I wish I did put myself out there more. And what I mean is taking those opportunities and those chances to create experiences that you otherwise wouldn't. And that's just taking the first step and the courage to say, hey, I think you're cute. Why don't we go grab coffee? Okay, maybe not like that extreme, but even if it's just like, hey, like, you know, we overhear someone talking about something you're really interested in. And creating those friendships that otherwise might not have happened if you didn't like poke your nose around. Again, I know that sounds really scary and I was really honestly scared to meet new people as I grew older and older. It's quite ironic. Um, I think about my freshman, sophomore year and I was so gung-ho about meeting new people, just being friendly and just like putting myself out there and creating new experiences but I, I don't know as I got older and I started surrounding myself with people that I really really vibe with if you will it became harder and I became lazier to be honest and I didn't want to put myself as much out there and I didn't want to take that risk of rejection that is probably the biggest thing that scares people in life and I'm still working on it I, I'm absolutely not there where I have that confidence and I can talk to people fearlessly, whether it's in a romantic context or it's a professional or more personal context. It's difficult. It's a very unknown territory. And I don't know about you guys, but I get a lot of thoughts. I think about all these different potential scenarios that deter me from taking action. And I know I'm pivoting a little bit away, but this is important. A lot of it's in your head. A lot of what these negative thoughts and feelings that you put potentially might have aren't real because look you don't know how the other person's going to react they could react positively they could react neutrally maybe they don't react at all but you don't know until you take that first step until you have the courage to take that first action and at the end of the day what's the worst that's going to happen it's just going to be an awkward silence they're going to reject you okay move on you won't ever see them in your life again And that's the reality of it. You only can create relationships when you take that first action. And those relationships otherwise wouldn't have happened anyways, right? If you didn't even take the first step. So there's more to win than there is to lose. And I just wanted to give that encouragement to those listening that have those opportunities 
Of course, that applies to me still, even though I'm not in college, I can still take those chances. It's just harder. And think about this. If you're working 40 hours a week and you're seeing the same people and you're not going out after work to a bar or to some sort of outing, then when are you going to get those chances to meet people that otherwise you wouldn't have, right? Well, on the weekends, maybe. Yeah. If you go hang out in a public area, like a domain, if you will, or downtown. Yes. But otherwise, I would say more than half of your time, like maybe even 80% of your time is like seeing the same people. So using that 20% window is really difficult, especially when you're already tired (laughs) from work. And where in college, literally over half of your time is seeing new people or seeing people in general. I think about how when I was just walking to classes back in the day, I would see a lot of new people and I would see a lot of the same people going to class and in my classes. But did I get to know those people? A lot of them, unfortunately not. And for those that I did get to meet earlier in college and now are some of my closest friends, I'm so thankful because I did take that time to introduce myself to say, hey, like you look like someone that is interesting to me. I don't know, like maybe not to say that, but you know, like create those conversations, create it while you have that environment because it's gonna be 10 times harder after you graduate. But again, not everyone is a social butterfly, and I do understand it's difficult to talk to new people. So I would just say as advice, go and hang out with friends that maybe you're not super close with while you're in college. Go to those parties that maybe you don't feel as comfortable going to because you don't know a lot of people. And that's where you can meet friends of friends and potentially meet someone that you would date organically. The other option is dating apps. There's no shame in that. And of course, I was using dating apps. My friends were on dating apps and it's totally normal in college. It's just really difficult to create meaningful relationships when everyone is surrounded by different activities and people and events and there's just a finite amount of time that can be used for dating and that's the challenging piece that will continue throughout your years it's just how much time are you willing to put into looking for a relationship and creating those conversations and getting to know someone and while you're in college you can literally do that while making friends and if you connect well with someone and a relationship does happen from those conversations then it's a win-win right otherwise it's just like you're on a mission on these days apps to find someone but maybe the other person isn't on that same mission or maybe they have a different expectation or maybe they're not really looking for something serious you don't know how to gauge that over text messages it's extremely difficult to communicate in my opinion over text it just gets sort of annoying the older you get i used to love texting and now i'm just like too many messages to read and too little time but anyways that's a separate conversation So why am I making dating sound so scary? It's not, I swear. It's just a lot of effort. And I think that's why a lot of people are looking for more serious relationships while in college so that they don't have to worry about dating after college because it's, oh, it's scary. It's difficult. It's unknown. And that's because I feel like the success of dating in your early mid 20s is really, really variable. And what I mean is when I entered my first job, there are folks that were married are engaged. And now I know folks in my age group that are having kids and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but everyone is on a different path and some people are walking faster than others, which is totally okay. 
whatever is your speed, you know, take your time and don't worry about what other people are doing. Like I mentioned earlier, there's this huge expectation, I feel like, when you're in a more conservative family, I guess, to get married, have kids earlier. But if you're not in that environment, then I wouldn't stress out about it. So what's it like to date after college? It's very boring, (laughs) especially with COVID. I think it's even more difficult to meet people in person and organically, but it's just a lot more effort where you're in this weird stage where not everyone is actively looking for a serious relationship or wanting to focus on that personal aspect of their life. And they might be balancing their careers, family, and many other buckets of their life. And you can't control that if they're not ready to commit and they don't have that band with in that time commitment you just can't expect that and obviously some people extremely enjoy this freedom and this is such a great period in your life where you're making money you're independent from your family your parents and you can do whatever the heck you want to do and that's super cool and you don't want to be tied down you want to travel you want to go you know xyz that is totally cool like no judgment. It's just about communicating that and having those intentions when you're on those platforms and those dating apps that can be difficult to gauge. I'm speaking in terms of a male perspective, but of course, I'm sure there's that female perspective where, you know, you don't know if the guy's serious or not about this relationship. He could be talking to a few other people. I don't know. We don't know that person. So it's about really weighing if you have the time and if you do, knowing that it's going to be a really slow process, especially right now, where you're just getting to know someone like, hey, I think you're attractive physically, but what about your personality? What about your goals in life? What do you like to do for fun? You know, where are you location-wise? Are you going to still be in this location? What are your intentions of being on this app, right? Each app, you don't know, like if they're just on there casually looking, it's a joke maybe, Maybe they're really serious, maybe too serious for you. That's that communication aspect, and that's going to be hard to do over text. It sort of has to be a little bit more inorganic, if you will. Like maybe at some point when you feel comfortable with this person you've been talking for a while, state your intentions. I don't see anything wrong with that. It clears a lot of uncertainty and it saves a lot of time. Like, I don't want to waste your time. And obviously, I hope you don't want to waste my time. So why not be a little bit more upfront with what your intentions are and what you expect out of this conversation? And lastly, of course, you can find those opportunities to connect with folks at your work. It is a little bit awkward. So while I was in the office for six months, I wasn't looking to start a relationship out, especially at work. And I believe some people do find that successful to each their own. I don't bank on that happening ever, but I think that is a possibility if you do meet the right one and they're not on your direct team. Uh, I don't see the issue there, but that's pretty much it, at least on this first topic, just because since the pandemic, really dating isn't a priority of mine and it's probably for the best because it's just not safe to meet new people right now and to really put yourself out there. And it's actually a really perfect time to get to know yourself better while you're isolated or maybe you're with a close friend or family member. This is a time to reflect and this is a time to get to know you. A time to understand what you need to be successful and what you want. And maybe you want a relationship, but you don't know why. So I challenge you to dig a little deeper into why. Maybe you don't have the perfect reason. I will say a lot of media and movies do romanticize relationships and high school love stories a lot these days. I don't think it's quite healthy for our youth to have these exaggerated expectations and about finding the right relationship early and you know locking it down like super early. I think it's super contrived. 
And that's because a lot of our relationships early in our life don't necessarily work out. And the only fingers you should be pointing are at yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's not you, it's me, if you remember that quote. And that is really important because when you're really young, you don't know much about yourself. You don't know what you really want or necessarily need in life to be successful and relationships don't help necessarily especially when you don't know what you want in the relationship and you start to be dependent on your partner to fill those gaps in yourself when really you should be doing that and that's extremely toxic and a lot of the times maybe people don't realize they are in those kind of toxic relationships and I will rebuttal by saying that relationships can be really healthy for you, especially a really great developmental opportunity, and especially if your partner and you are willing to work through those gaps and those issues. It can be really great for your long-term relationship, and I think that is something to keep in mind, especially if you're scared about starting a relationship, you shouldn't be. Just know it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of time, and it's all meaningful though at the end of the day even if the relationship isn't successful i will say you learn a lot from it and you really can take that experience to your next relationship and better that one and for those that have been single for a minute like me you can use this quiet time in your life to really transition into an independent adult and take on more responsibilities in other parts of your life which is super exciting because once you lock down those key life experiences a relationship seems a lot less daunting Okay, so now you're asking, well, how do I get started on that journey of self-love and just discovering more about myself? And I'm not going to go get super spiritual on you or a crazy guru, but I do want to leverage a book I recently finished called The Book of Joy. It features the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, who was the Archbishop of Cape Town from 1986 to 1996, and he was the first black African to hold that position. So these are two of the biggest spiritual leaders in our world, and I thought the book was so inspiring insightful and different from my experiences, especially growing up in America in a suburbial life where these two leaders are from two different countries. One was exiled and the other was in a environment that was not geared towards his race and his background. And so I find it very enlightening just to hear from their perspective and would highly recommend people reading this book. I do want to reference a few quotes and sort of key insights I got out of it just to sort of tie back to my main podcast podcast message and one specific quote Dalai Lama said so many people seem to struggle with being kind to themselves this is really sad you see if you don't have genuine love and kindness towards yourself how can you extend these to others I'm not gonna lie when I read this quote it really really resonated with me and shook me um, to my core because a lot of the times when I was growing up and what you know from your interactions is how to be kind to others and how to treat others like you would treat yourself. But what if you don't treat yourself right? What if you have low self-esteem and you truly don't think very highly of yourself? How does that affect your interactions with others? It definitely rubs off and people can definitely sense that. Uh, it's not healthy. It's it's an extremely underwhelming uh, topic, mental health in general. And it's just another reminder during this Galentine's that you do have to look out for yourself first uh, above all. But at the same time, the Dalai Lama also says, Now we should also realize that the recognition of our own limitations and weaknesses can be very positive. This can be wisdom. If you realize that you are inadequate in some way, then you develop effort. If you think everything is fine and I'm okay just as I am, then you will not try to develop further. 
And this is literally just half a page. There's like 300 plus pages in this book. And I kid you not, like every other page hit home for me. I don't know what it is being, you know, isolated and having way too much time to think and to reflect. But this book really hit on a lot of more spiritual and deeper thoughts that I usually don't think about, especially when a lot of our days we're working on autopilot. We go through the same motions and we do the same things without realizing it. And we don't develop ourselves further. So when I read this latter part of the page, it really resonated and I cannot stress enough that if you don't think about your weaknesses, if you don't think about your areas that you need to develop, then it's almost like they weren't even there to begin with. And yes, you can get by through life like that. Of course you can. A lot of people do, but I think a part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast and why I'm so excited to share more about myself and to create these kind of discussions is to get people thinking and to get people just excited about life, right? Because life can get so monotonous and repetitive and boring. And this quote just reminds me that it's about the journey. It's about the process of growing and learning that really makes life that much more exciting. And I hope maybe some people get what I'm trying to say, but his words were just incredibly touching and humbling as a spiritual leader to hear these kind of words really, really tells a lot about his journey and his perception about the world. And I just resonated a lot with it. And in the most positive and non-belittling way, I really did feel like a lot of my problems could be solved or a lot of issues that I had in the past could be worked on. And it gave me hope, gave me inspiration to do more and do better with the life and the environment that I was given and to be thankful, obviously. Like we are living in such a great time overall besides the recent events. And we have so many resources that a lot of people in different parts of the world, different time periods really didn't have. So of course, it's a process and no one's going to wake up one day and change their whole perception of the world. But this book has really helped me sort of open up my eyes and have a more big picture view on my life and those around me and how I should treat myself and others. Like think about being a parent. How can you be a great mom or dad when you're not 100% mentally there and you can't provide all the love and all the emotional support that you could had you been 100% ready? I like to think about it a little bit more like that and maybe that'll help shape what your priorities should be and how you should think about taking care of yourself first before looking for that next relationship or looking for someone else to take care of you because it's not going to happen like that. And don't you think it's hard to love others when you don't love yourself? So self-compassion is so, so key for you to develop as early as you can. And don't let modern culture make it a barrier for you to have compassion for yourself. Because a lot of the time we're thinking about how we're being perceived and judged by others. So we focus a lot of our lives on climbing this pyramid and looking for these achievements and external forms of validation to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And it's completely wrong. And the Dalai Lama even points out that the way we treat ourselves is as if we're part of some greater machine. And that is completely wrong. And like, you can't live a life based on others and based on satisfying your external short term happiness because there will always be someone better than you. There will always be someone with more money, 
more status. There's always more. But what there isn't more of is just true self-fulfillment and compassion and internal happiness and long-term joy, which you can build for free organically over time and by yourself and through your family and your loved ones and your close friends. You can build this self-sustaining moat of joy and happiness. And when we feel inadequate in any way, you should remind yourself that these feelings are limitations are natural and that all people have them. And when you're feeling down, instead of rejecting or judging yourself and feeling humiliated because of your weakness, try to understand where this feeling is coming from and come at it with a openness and acceptance that you would hope your closest friends and family members would give to you. Give that to yourself and don't be so hard on yourself. There's so many people that really do care and cherish you. So why can't you also do that for yourself? So ultimately, I bubbled down everything from this book into five takeaways. And first of all, I mentioned this already, but try to accept your insecurities and flaws and more than that, embrace them and welcome them because those are all characteristics and traits of you. And that's what makes you unique and special. Secondly, if you can identify those areas of yourself that you're not happy with, try going and attacking at them, improving on those areas and getting better. And don't treat it like it's an end game. It's not. There's always room for improvement. Third, find a mentor or someone that you can look to and don't look at your life as a black and white film where you can't change. You obviously can just set the right goals that are achievable. And remember, you have more control of your life than you think. Fourth, Shift your perspective. So understand what is the root cause of your unhappiness or why you're unhappy. Dig into that deeper. It's important to go beyond just the surface level where, for example, you want a relationship. You're unhappy being single. Why are you unhappy? Dig a little bit deeper. You don't like yourself. Why don't you like yourself? Because of XYZ. Well, how can you improve XYZ? Why are those negatives? Maybe turn them into positives. Why are you so judgmental on these parts of your life when maybe other people don't even notice those? So think a little bit more about those root causes of your unhappiness and and just reframe your mindset on them. I think that is a start. It doesn't fix all your problems, but it's a start. Lastly, try bringing joy to others. The Archbishop and the Dalai Lama say that when you bring joy to others, it's the fastest way to experience joy itself. The Dalai Lama spends so many hours just meditating and praying for others. In just 10 minutes, he says that that can alone make you a lot more happier and make your whole day better when you're able to shift your focus and really empathize with other people. It really just makes you feel better overall where you're not so much focusing on your unhappiness and your negativity And it just feels good to help someone, right? It just makes you feel like you're doing a better job at your life and you're doing something right. But remember, this is all a journey. I hope this episode helps you develop a better framework and idea of how to treat yourself a little bit more healthier and to remind yourself that relationships are great, but the most important relationship is with yourself. So don't be too hard on yourself. Remember, don't expect someone else to fix your problems or something to magically change 
Over time, you can build up your inner happiness and you can truly derive this long-term joy that the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu really stress in the Book of Joy. So again, thank you guys for listening. I feel like I've went on a few different tangents this episode, but I really wanted this to be super open and transparent and sharing a topic that's been really close and dear to my heart and a really deep thought I really don't think a lot of people focus on in my age group necessarily. And I do hope that in some way this was helpful and that you learn a little bit more about me and hopefully more about yourself. And once again, thanks for listening. Best regards, Brian. 